Welcome back to the Section 121 Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Stanley Black. And today we're digging into verse 35 again. This is a part two, just because there's so much to unpack in this verse as we cross-reference with other scriptures to get the context here. So again, it is because their hearts are set so much upon the things of this world and aspire to the honors of men that they do not learn this one lesson. And that lesson, of course, is what's in verse 36, that the rights of the priesthood are inseparably connected with the powers of heaven and the powers of heaven cannot be controlled nor handled only upon principles of righteousness. So there's a dichotomy here between the need to provide for one's family and the allurement to set our hearts on the things of the world and aspire to the honors of men. Because generally speaking, there's kind of an assumption in life that as we get the honors of men, we get more money, right? And more money allows us to provide for our family, right? So it is hard because we do need to provide for our families. We do have material needs. And so finding the balance here can be quite a challenge, particularly with the strength of language in Scripture about money. For instance, in 1 Timothy 6 verse 10, it says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred in the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So we have that reference to the love of money there in 1 Timothy, which references very easily back to this verse in section 121, talking about hearts being said so much on the things of the world. If we go to the teachings of Christ directly, in 3 Nephi 13, verse 24, we see, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon being a reference to money. So it says right there, you cannot both serve God and money. So what are we to do? Adding more fuel to the fire, 2 Nephi chapter 26, verse 31, But the laborer in Zion shall labor for Zion, for if they labor for money, they shall perish. So somehow we need to labor for Zion, labor for the good of others in a spirit of love and charity, but not get sucked into having money be our primary motivation. But then just to make sure that we're solidly confused, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, But if any provide not for his own, and specially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel. So walking this edge of needing money, needing to provide in order to be a good steward, but not loving the money, is a challenge. So where do we find an answer that helps us balance these opposing concepts and give us a healthier view of money and the things in the world that we do need to survive? And more specifically, how do we answer the question of how do we both serve the Lord and do the work that we need to do in order to make a living, provide for our family, etc.? Well, the insights that I've had recently, building on the concepts I shared in the previous episode about how challenging it has been since I have been laid off, and constantly analyzing and evaluating and trying to understand if I was doing something wrong, and having been assured multiple times in prayer that God is in the details, and he's not trying to punish me, but having the feeling that somehow I was off base that somehow I just wasn't quite there. I find myself back in Mosiah 3.19. For the natural man is an enemy to God, and has been from the fall of Adam, and will be forever and ever. 
unless he yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit, and putteth off the natural man, and becometh a saint through the atonement of Christ the Lord, and becometh as a child, submissive, meek, humble, patient, full of love, willing to submit to all things which the Lord seeth fit to inflict upon him, even as a child doth submit to his father. But what does that look like in practicality? How do we balance this so that we can be childlike, but both effective in the things that we're trying to do? And of course, this verse has a list of attributes very similar to those principles of righteousness that we have seen in other places. So how does this work in practicality? How do we both be anxiously engaged in a good cause, working hard to provide for our families, but also not end up loving money and the things of the world? Well, this next part of the insight for me came from the fact that my daughter, my youngest daughter, recently started walking. She was born premature, and so all her developmental milestones have been delayed, and her occupational therapist really wanted her to work more on walking. We had to acknowledge that as cute as she was and as loving and cuddly as she is, that if she was going to walk, we had to give her more chances to walk, more reasons to walk. And so we kept encouraging her, guiding her, leading her. See, when you're working with a child this small, seeing her walk, which she does now pretty well, is almost absurd because the muscles are so small, she is so small, that it almost doesn't look like it should be possible for her to have the strength in her legs and hips to be able to walk. But yet, she does it now. As I pondered the process of her learning to walk, I came to understand that learning to walk is hard. Why? Because it literally takes the development of muscles that you don't have yet. Or rather, the muscles are there, but there's no strength to them. Therefore, continual work, continual pressure, continual trying is necessary to get to the place where the muscles can work so that the little child can walk. And if we consider ourselves as a little child, on days that are frustrating, on days that hurt, on days when things just aren't going well, it could be tempting to believe that somehow, because of this pain, God is angry with us or doesn't like us. But if my daughter were to take that approach, she would be completely wrong. It's nothing of the sort. We love her deeply. We want her to succeed. We want her to be happy. And the pain and challenges are just sufficient, just enough pressure that she can develop the muscles in order to be able to walk. Also, if we consider ourselves the child in this story, and we consider the ways that the natural man tries to push us into a state of being an enemy of God. We see a place where due to our pain, we think that God is somehow not powerful and not able to save. That is absolutely not true. As our daughter was learning to walk, we were there. Our hands were available. Our hand was not shortened at all that we could not help her, but she needed the struggle. And as we encouraged her, and got excited for her success. She was able to keep pushing through, and she is now able to walk. Part of the temptation to start loving the things of the world, to start aspiring to the honors of men, is because they're visible, 
And because they are visible, because we can see them, because they appear to be reliable, even though, just like the great and spacious building, in the end, they are not, is that those things can give us encouragement to keep trying when things are hard. They give us something tangible to go for. But if we are to be truly like a little child, then we would retain in our minds the love that God has for us, and we would trust him just like my daughter trusted me as she was learning to walk. I've talked in several episodes now about my desire to feel valid as a person, and really it's a desire to feel independent and powerful. And feeling independent and powerful is not a problem as long as the independence we are going for is not independence from God, our Heavenly Father, who loves us deeply. Because if we don't worship God, we do end up worshiping something else. So our challenge of overcoming the natural man as we go through life, but also being anxiously engaged in a good cause and doing many things of our own free will and choice and bringing to pass much righteousness, as it says in DNC 58.27, is to acknowledge where we are in our relationship to God. Because of the shortness of temporal, earthly life, it's very easy to get the mistaken impression that once we are an adult, we should know how to do everything. But if we look at who we are and where we are in relationship to God, our Heavenly Father, many times the things we take on ourselves are a lot like if my daughter, who just learned to walk, was trying to make a batch of bread and felt like she was a failure and not valid as a person because she couldn't make a batch of bread. It isn't to say that someday she won't make a batch of bread. I'm sure she will. But where she is right now, walking is good enough. So our challenge in becoming childlike and using this essence of becoming childlike to overcome the natural man and to have the faith to learn to lead in the Lord's way can find its root in acknowledging where we are and who we are in the journey, in taking great joy At each milestone, just like the little kid who can now tie his shoes and is happy that he can tie his shoes, but not using our sense of independence and power or not anchoring our sense of independence and power based on the idea that we can tie our shoes better than somebody else. See, that's where the natural man sneaks in and once again takes the joy of accomplishment the natural joy that should be ours as children of God, and twists it to get us to reject God and worship something or someone other than him. So our challenge is to acknowledge that right now, even as adults, in God's eyes, we're still toddlers. And he loves us just like we love the children in our house. And he's not looking for a way to punish us, but he does want to give us those experiences that will allow our muscles to grow so that we can grow, can develop, and find the joy of accomplishment together with him, worshiping him all the way as we go. In Doctrine and Covenants 59 verses 15 through 21, we have a key here. In the previous verses in this chapter, it's talking about worshiping the Lord and how to worship the Lord. And then in these verses, it says, And inasmuch as ye do these things with thanksgiving, with cheerful hearts and countenances, not with much laughter, for this is sin, but with a glad heart, 
and a cheerful countenance. Verily I say that inasmuch as ye do this, the fullness of the earth is yours, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the air, and that which climbeth upon the trees and walketh upon the earth, yea, and the herb and the good things which come of the earth, whether for food or for raiment or for houses or for barns or for orchards or for gardens or for vineyards, yea, all these things which come of the earth in the season thereof are made for the benefit and use of man, both to please the eye and to gladden the heart. Yea, for food and for raiment, for taste and for smell, to strengthen the body and to enliven the soul. And it pleaseth God that he hath given all these things unto man. For unto this end were they made to be used, with judgment, not to excess, neither by extortion. And in nothing doth man offend God, or against none is his wrath kindled, save those who confess not his hand in all things, and obey not his commandments. So, from my perspective, tying all these scriptures together, the way that we overcome the natural man, and reach a point where we are willing to lead only in the Lord's way, and do it according to his instructions, and not get sucked into having our hearts set on the things of the world and aspiring to the honors of men, is acknowledging that in terms of all these things, he has provided them, and they are to be used with joy, and we are to acknowledge our place more as toddlers than adults, who are simply learning the next thing that God has for us to learn, trusting him, and finding joy in it, while taking no tendency to have our joy because we have more than someone else, but simply because of the next thing that we've learned, because of what our Father is showing us, and what we get to enjoy. Jumping back to verse 34, finding this balance is hard. Behold, there are many called, but few are chosen. And why are they not chosen? Because these concepts I've described today are so hard to figure out. And it's so easy to get sucked into setting our hearts upon the things of the world and aspiring to the honors of men. But if we can trust God, and if we can keep our focus on Him and learning the next thing He has for us, the fullness of the earth is ours, and we can receive great things at His hands. (laughs) 